might be thinking, hey, are you guys doing this podcast just because it's nominated for Best Picture? <laughs> the answer is yes. <laughs> the answer is mm, kind of. Stephen told me we were done with the Best Picture Oscars crunch. <laughs> yes, that's true. We're not. And now we're <laughs> getting it in just under the wire. <laughs> the final Best Picture nominee. I This had been on my radar for a long time. I just haven't gotten around to watching it. And then I saw that it was free on Amazon. So I was like, ooh. Did it come out late last year? Yeah. I don't know. I literally don't know much about this movie. But we, we uh, saw I, it. The behind the scenes of the movie, I should say. Yeah. Uh, I know a little. But yeah, it is kind of strange. We don't have a woman's voice on today's episode. Allie did watch it with me, and I can tell you what she said. Oh. I'll save it for later. Okay. But. <laughs> tease me. <laughs> little tease. Today we're talking about the Academy Award nominated for Best Picture, a little film called Women Talking. Yep. Women Talking. Part one of the trilogy. Oh, gosh. Looking for women leaving. <laughs> and then, like... Women thriving. Women strike... <laughs> no, it's two will be women strike back. Women women thriving. And then it'll be Return of the Women. <laughs> I feel like these aren't insensitive jokes, right? I don't know. Because there's a few... I got a few in, in the... Insensitivity? In, in the bag. So, <laughs> so this is nominated for Best Picture um, this year, in 2023. And I'm like, hey, we covered everything else we covered every other film that's nominated so we might as well just cover this one really quick before the oscars take place on sunday night so here we are doing it we saw the movie and now we're doing the podcast <laughs> mm-hmm. i mean we should we should say up front like it is strange not having the representation of a woman and the, their perspective on this episode so considering the subject matter yeah here are two men talking about women talking <laughs> Never been done before. <laughs> I know. So sad. This is probably going to be one of our lowest trending episodes. <laughs> <laughs> Watch it be our most successful. That'd be hilarious. Yeah. And also a little sad. <laughs> well, I mean, let's talk about it as a film and the importance of the content matter. Okay. What's so funny too, ironically, is we both watched it on National Women's Day. International Women's oh, Day. Oh, International Women's That's Day. It's a global thing. Well, there you go. Power to the people. A lot of women advocacy yesterday. It was yeah. on Wednesday. So I saw a little bit online um, from international women. Yes. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Especially in the Middle East. Like yeah, with everything going on in sure. Iran and stuff like for that. Sure. It's a big deal. Yeah. Women are a big deal, man. Women are a big deal. Do I would know? also like to say up front, <laughs> I'm about to have a third daughter. Jeez. So I only will have women in my house. You're three and oh. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. I mean... Women are cool. <laughs> I love I love my girls. I love my daughters a lot. I wouldn't have changed a thing. I wouldn't change a thing. You will not change a thing. <laughs> I will not. I could not change a thing. <laughs> no, I, I I love women. Good. Can, can I put you on record? <laughs> <laughs> that That's from a, off the office. There's like, oh, there's yeah. Like, like, I love women. <laughs> anyway. Um, gosh. You, you know who's specifically great is Sarah Pauly, the director of this film. She's really good. I actually really liked her direction, like a lot. Yeah. More than a lot of other women directors I've seen that have gotten a lot of hype. We're mm. pointing at Chloe Zhao over here. She's actually directed a lot of stuff, and yeah. I had no idea. Yeah, I really liked her direction. Last year, the film that I thought should have won, Power of the Dog, also directed by a woman, she was like the best. She's like my favorite woman director I think I've ever seen. Jane Campion. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's a pretty underrepresented role within yeah. the industry. Yeah. 
There's a lot com- more and more coming out. Yeah, all the time. It's pretty cool. And you know what? They're getting a lot more support, so their films are actually better. They're executed better. Like one of the, one of the biggest names for women directors, I kind of saw for a long time was Sofia Coppola, but she never did it for me, man. That was a little nepotism, I think. Well, she, but she also like I never really liked her stuff. Yeah. But she was like the front running name, the forerunning name for for women directors for a long time. So, mm-hmm. but no, now I feel like the the playing field is leveled. Yeah, and that's for more. every previously underrepresented. Yeah, anyone that's not a white man. I also really liked. Um, I can't remember her name, but the woman who directed Black Widow, the movie itself was a little bit difficult at times when it came to story, but I also, I really liked her direction. I thought she was really good. Kate Shortland. Shortland? Yeah. Yeah. She was super good. I followed her on Instagram after I saw that movie. She's got some cool credits. I didn't really notice anything particularly special about that film though. (laughs) I really liked the first two acts a lot. So it's been the same way for honestly every Marvel film lately, but... The first two acts were really strong. We also had, I mean, we've had a lot of great women directors. We have Catherine Bigelow. Mm-hmm. More recently in the Marvel sphere or the superhero sphere, we had that one film from Patty Jenkins, and then she got kind of a... Dude, was, that first Wonder Woman movie, I walked out of that movie going, holy shit. Yeah. Like, could not believe how good it was. And then I, I guess you can't strike lightning in the same place twice. <laughs> Honestly, Reasons, I, just got I don't know if... Wonder Woman 84 was her fault. Like, it, it seemed like a script issue. Yeah. Def- definitely wasn't a Pedro Pascal issue. You know There's also I mean? a lot of great European women directors. Is that what happens when you're in the bathroom? I knew it was coming. The second it left my mouth, I knew what I had wrought. <laughs> <laughs> no. Anyway, we're here to talk today about women talking about Sarah Pauli's Can you can film. you talk about Sarah Pauli a little bit? Like what is yeah. what has she done before? Well, I think her most iconic starring role cuz she's I think she was an actress before she was a director. Would probably be Dawn of the Dead, that 2004. Hmm. Um at least that's the what I know her best from. <laughs> that was an early uh Zack Snyder Dawn of the Dead, a remake of the classic. Oh, she was an actress. Yeah. Oh, okay. She's always been an actress before she was a director, you I know, think. Another film, really quick, that we saw recently that was directed by a woman that I loved was Elizabeth Banks' A Cocaine Bear. Oh, hell yeah. That was amazing. We haven't done an episode on that yet, but it's super good. Yeah. Sorry. That, that movie was just a few steps away from being like it's like the genre classic of the year. <laughs> it's starting its own Fast and Furious franchise, essentially, with that movie. Yeah, I don't know if we need that, but... No, we, we, we don't, but it inevitably will come. <laughs> yep. Anyway, yeah, so Sarah Pauli has done a ton of acting, and now I think she's mostly focusing on her directing. And so I guess she also has a history. I actually, I don't really know anything about Sarah Pauli, but according to her bio online, she has had a hand in plenty of political activism, so it's no mm-hmm. surprise that she would make a film... Mm-hmm. With such, I mean, I it's not even fair to call it subtext because the entire film is, you know, the focus of it is the social commentary about this timeless oppression of women mm-hmm. in and outside of religion. Mm-hmm. So it's really cool for someone like her to take the reins on that and to have to surround herself with all these other powerful women, vo- names in the industry. It's an ensemble cast. There's so. a lot of very good talent actors in this film. Yeah. Actresses. I don't know. What Funny, the not the least of which is Frances McDormand, who was really just a bit part in the film. 
It's so funny. We have to have our Frances McDormand nominated. She was born to play characters like this. She's born to be nominated every year by the Academy. We we have to have at least one film that has Frances McDormand in it that is nominated for Best Picture. She has the greatest scowl, I think, ever. Yeah. In cinematic history. Who is she? She's married to a Cohen. Yeah, right? I think so. Yeah, Joel or Ethan Cohen. Or at least she was. I don't know. I think she's married to the... No, the, she still is. Yeah. Because she was in the Denzel Washington Macbeth. Oh, yeah. Remember? And she's like the wife of uh, both Denzel Washington and the Cohen brother. True. Um. Yeah, who else is in it? Uh, Claire Foy. Yes. From... She's my favorite. The, the Crown, seasons one and two. Mm-hmm. She's Queen Elizabeth in those two seasons, and she's freaking great. And she still is great. Yep. She's my favorite part about this movie. Yeah. Same. 100%. And that's what Allie said. She loved Claire Foy, obviously, but definitely the strongest character. What's Rooney the, Mara. Rooney Mara was is, in this? It's like more or less the, the main woman. Talking? Yes, the main woman who's talking. <laughs> May have talked the most. It's hard to say. And uh, then, we also had my favorite, Jesse Buckley. Jesse Buckley. Love her, but she played a belligerent <laughs> woman in this film. Before we get too far into the conversation of the film, every woman has like their own unique uh, voice and perspective when they're approaching this topic in the film. Mm-hmm. And so to see the dichotomy between like Claire Foy's character and Jesse Buckley's character and Rooney Mara's character is really fascinating. Can you name the rest of the cast? Yeah. Uh, Judith Ivy played Agatha. Agatha? <laughs> Older gal. We also had the younger cast rounded out by Kate Hallett, Liv McNeil, Michelle McLeod. Anyway, that's about it. And a couple other, we have Sheila McCarthy as Greta, um, Kira Guloin. Plays Francis McDormand's daughter, right? Oh, and then Ben Winshaw. Yeah, yeah, Ben Winshaw. He's the 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 man in Women Talking. <laughs> August. Apparently, the book and the first cut of the film oh. was and is narrated is narrated by Ben Winshaw or by the August or character. by the character of August. Yeah, and Sarah Polly realized in the edit that they needed to have a woman, <laughs> not just a woman's voice. It was the daughter, right? Yeah, yeah, but specifically one of the victims to present the yeah, story. Sure, sure. Yeah, Ben Winshaw, great actor. He was in one of my personal favorite Disney films over the last 10 years, Mary Poppins Returns. <laughs> and he's also classic um, in the the Daniel Craig Bond films as Q. Uh, another he's, fun he's, fact. He was really good. Sorry. Another, another fun fact is that Rooney Mara and Claire Foy have both played Elizabeth Salander, or Sal- Salamander? Salander from Girl with a Dragon Tattoo. Oh, that's right. Interesting. That's so funny. Wow. That is really funny. Uh, right here, we're going to do a quick break to recommend a song. And what better song to recommend than a, wo- a woman? <laughs> a woman song? A woman song singing up front and personal. This is kind of going to be a throwback. Gabe might recognize it. Mm, hope so. This is going to be a song called Shadow by the Chromatics. Ooh. It's featured in Twin Peaks The Return. Yes. And it is dreamy as fuck. And so we're going to play right here because I think it fits with the tone of this film and our melancholy podcast.
Alright, we're back! Hello, Gabe. <coughs> Gabe's dying. Hello, Steven. I am. <laughs> uh, hello. Uh, so, let's talk about this movie a little bit. The premise, essentially, is that there's... It's kind of like a Amish-type culty... They're Mennonite. Mennonite. Oh, fuck. Yeah. A L- little real for me. Yeah. Ultra-conservative, but... Mennonite, nonetheless. Okay. Not Amish. Mennonite. And very conservative. It takes place in the year 2010, I believe. Yeah. It's a, it's a true story. Is it? Ultra-conservative colony of Mennonites on Manitoba Island off the coast of Bolivia. So, oh gosh. super removed from, you know, the rest of the world. And then, I'm not sure how it played out exactly. The way Sarah Pauly describes the film, it's an, an imagined response to true events or something. Mm. So, I think these are fictional Mm-hmm technically mm-hmm. like uh the plot but these things did happen mm-hmm. where nine or so men over the course of several years culminating in 2010 had been attacking women in their sleep raping them through they would sedate them like at night without them knowing with cow tranquilizer or something and then they would rape them and this continued over a series of years and they would you know either gaslight them or shame them into mm-hmm. you know believing this was and there's a um like a religious uh, tone to it where they would say like they, they can't enter the kingdom of heaven or yeah they had to forgive they yeah. were forced to forgive and then essentially yeah. move on i'm not sure you know oftentimes they probably have these pregnancies and Jeez. and culminating in 2010 the women f- finally you know are able to take a stand yeah. because those those men uh, the accused attackers most of them anyway are charged they're jailed by the bolivians in real life this is what happened the bolivian government i think <laughs> brought them in but then in both the film and in real life, the men went to post bail. And over the course of that 24 to 48 hours, the women basically decided what they would do, you know, and they gave themselves three options. They elected a small council to make these decisions because the vote right. was tied between right. leaving the colony and, and fighting uh, and staying and fighting, whatever that would mean for them. Yeah. And at the end of this council, they resolved to leave. Yeah. So most of the film takes place in that barn, you know, in that conversation. The third option was to stay and do nothing. So, yeah. and there were some votes for that. A couple, you know, some women did stay. I do want to say though that, like, so, so yeah, they're being abused, raped in their sleep, or maybe not even sometimes in their sleep. Uh, both, both adult women and children, unfortunately. Yeah. And it, you know, it's the the content matter is super heavy, but the whole film takes place essentially the women that seem to exemplify kind of the most leadership qualities or have been the most affected by this were kind of appointed to talk for the rest of the women in this little colony. And so these handful of women, so there's about seven to eight of them get together in this barn and the movie takes place over the course of a day or two as they gather in this barn. I think they explained that the men left to post bail because they every time something would happen and, and one of the men would actually get caught they would be thrown in prison and then all the men would go to post bail for them so all the men were gone they were able to gather in this barn for a day or two and actually have a discussion and show their offer their different perspectives and argue and really get into the nitty-gritty of conversing about what it would look like to stay or leave or fight so that's what the film is. Women talking is, is them gathering, talking about this issue, 
and then there's there's flashbacks and you see little little vignettes of events that have happened that kind of play into and give context to and make you feel like the emotional weight of what the women are talking about as they're advocating for their point of view so really powerful i think it was executed extraordinarily well i think this is like a very important movie i understand why it's nominated for best picture because of that it definitely has a, a time and a like a, it holds and captures a time and a place especially for what you know transpires when, when thinking about women and their place in society even though we think maybe in america that we've progressed this far and this isn't as much of a problem anymore like these things are still happening and it's it's pretty current it's i mean this is like 10 or 13 years ago that this took place so <laughs> what well it's funny rooted you say something like rooted in a time and place when it is so anachronistic and yeah. because you have mennonites this ultra conservative sect well you yeah. feel like this could have happened 200 years ago yeah. 400 years yeah. ago yeah or today that's what i'm saying it's i guess that yeah i guess that is what i'm saying is it it's very much it's a com- timeless it's very much a commentary though Hopefully, I, I say that because I'm thinking about the future. Hopefully, in 50, 60 years from now, we look back on this movie and say, oh, that's, this truly doesn't happen as much anymore. And so in the eventual history of filmmaking, this film will have captured this time in this place. Yeah. That, that's what I meant. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, I think I, think I, I mean, I agree with you. Because, <laughs> and it's really intense because, like I said, I, th- I think we as a society think that we've progressed beyond this, but the reality that it still happens and is happening and um, human trafficking is another flip side of that. I think we've talked about that a couple of times before, very briefly, I have touched on that, but human trafficking is like one of the most disgusting things that I can think of, especially when taking advantage of women and uh, underage women. It's, it's really gnarly. It's really intense, really heavy for me. And so, especially like I said, as I'm trying to raise three daughters, about to be three daughters, and I'm married to a woman <laughs> that has birthed those, I was about to birth the third, but, mm-hmm. you know. And so I, it's, it hits home for me, literally, because that's my home. My home is my family with my kids and my wife. So, yeah, watching this movie was heavy for me. And like I said, I really think Sarah Polly directed it really well. I think it was really well acted. The script was tight. Really it was tight. There's a cute little kind of like a love story thing happening between Ben and Rooney. Rooney. Like they 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 kind of threw that in there, which was fine. But you know, it was it was a good movie, and it it's important. I want to say though that I think there were better films this year. That could have been nominated. Wow, spicy take, Stephen. <laughs> I think you think the same thing. Yeah, I think everybody would think the same thing. This is a great film. It's very peculiar, I think, the way the script manifested in direction and specifically editing. Because this film plays out, I don't know how the book was written, but it plays out like a stage play. You know, having 80% of the story take place in that barn. Especially with other films coming out this year, like The Whale. Very dialogue-heavy and I could see why this film would turn you know, a lot of people off, even people that might be otherwise empathetic towards the narrative, towards the themes. Some of it did feel not pedantic, but a little like, like I feel like the dialogue could have used 
potentially one more pass just to make things a little bit more naturalistic perhaps or smooth but i defend that in my own head by saying like this is a very isolated and esoteric kind of environment so i i can rationalize a lot of that but it is it is kind of it's it's a hard film to watch a hard pill to swallow not just you know because of its subject matter but because of the way it's shot like i felt like i needed to take breaks just like the women did in the film while they were having their conversation but overall yeah i'm glad we got to watch it it's exciting for you know, films like this to be getting that recognition, not just, you know, for all the obvious reasons, but also just, it's a smaller film, smaller studios. So that's cool too. I think it's the first film to be nominated for best picture from Orion since like Silence of the Lambs. Mm. Long time. I love that Orion logo though. Yeah. Seriously. I love it. Every time I see it, I'm like, ugh, so good. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, one of the things I did not like about it the most was the coloring. Oh, yeah. I didn't like the the feeling and the tone of the Sarah color. Sarah Pauly made a comment about the grading. Oh, really? Yeah. Like, yeah. it was very intentional, but it was like... I get it. I, I mean, I would say that, like, I, these women have been drained and they're, you know, <laughs> and so the color is drained from the film. Yeah. Um, but I... It was weird. It was... Well, the whole style of the film. Talk about anachronistic. Yeah. All the chroma was taken out of the color in the <laughs> anachromatic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think this film works just as well in and outside of the context of religion. Obviously, you know, religion provides, mm-hmm. unfortunately, fertile ground for stuff like this. But fascinating conversations in the film revolve around like power dynamics, yeah. men versus women, and yeah. that's that's so. It's something you can see outside of religion, but specifically. The Mennonite perspective was a pretty fascinating one because mm-hmm. they're like rooted in this denomination that is so antiquated and yeah I got I got act- I got like mad watching the movie because mm. I'm just like I did too I did too especially with like Claire Foy's character every time she spoke I was just like yes Queen yeah <laughs> slay <laughs> slay yeah I was so pissed yeah and I I mean it's so wild for me specifically. Um, my sister who may or may not be listening to this at some point, she's dating a Mennonite and he's not ultra conservative, but just having, you know, the tag, the label, it's like, mm-hmm. it's crazy. Mm-hmm. Religion's a scary thing, but you know, like mm-hmm. I said, those dynamics exist outside of religion. So really great conversation. Something people should see, something people should chew on. Do a little introspection, maybe. A little thinking after you watch this one. It's only an hour and a half. Go check it out. It's actually free on Amazon Prime if you have that. So Yeah. Worth for, it. Well, I should say for the next five days. Oh, nice. Until the Academy Awards. So There you go. I think probably they did it for International Women's Day. Oh. Yeah. I mean, also because of the Oscar push, but... yeah. Anyway, yeah, uh, go check it out if you're interested in movies that are good and Mm -hmm. have heavy topics. Yeah, big topics. Big, big, big topics. Mm -hmm. And that has been Two Men Talking about women talking. talking. (laughs) Two Men Talking sounds like a great title for the cast. (laughs) Does it? (laughs) Two white men? Two and a half men. Yeah. Here's a song from the film, maybe. Yeah, the score was actually Hildur. Oh. Guillaume de Tire. 
There she you go. composed another woman. Powerful. Doing great things. Yeah. You saw her in concert. I did. She's incredible. That's how much you love her. She's a spectacular. She's a saint. <laughs> That's what you're going to say. No. I don't, I don't know. I can't speak to uh, the quality of her character, but she's very good. Yeah. Well, here here's a song from Hildur. Gildenetier. 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 Gildenetier.